Hello and welcome to another episode of Strength for Today with your host here, Eric Dykstra. So privileged and so honored that you're listening or watching today and really believe that the Lord is going to strengthen your heart and your spirit and in your mind today as we dive into some practical ways of really learning how to discover your identity, but also some very practical ways of writing and crafting out identity statements that can serve as a reminder to you of who God says you are and how he sees you. Because as we begin to live into our identity and discover who we are, our influence, our leadership, our source and sense of being really goes to a much higher level and is much more, I won't say significant, but really has an uh, ability to impact people around you and that you love at a much deeper and profound level, just as Jesus did in the world and why so many people have been drawn to him. And uh, over the course of time, their lives have been changed and transformed because that's the power of what identity really is. So let's just dive right in today. Recap a little bit from this past week is that we looked at Acts chapter 17 and really Daniel chapter one. And Daniel was an incredible story. And Daniel was taken from Judea or Judah and his three friends as well and brought into a Babylonian culture, really with the intention of changing these four, uh, these four individuals' identity, true identity, into the Babylonian culture. And we saw that Daniel and his three friends didn't conform and they stayed true to who they were. And I'll share this from verses 19 and 20 of chapter one, because I shared last episode just about the power and the significance of when we stand in our true identity, God's strength begins to give us favor and it begins to give us permission and an authority in life. And we now have access into God's wisdom, his heart, his love, the knowledge. And Daniel really experienced this. And it says this, it said, and the king spoke with them, talking about Nebuchadnezzar, because Daniel's now before them. And they've done the test of, of 10 days of just eating uh, vegetables and water. And they outperformed everyone else that had been brought before King Nebuchadnezzar. And the king spoke with them. And among all of them, none was found like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Therefore, they stood before the king. And in every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king inquired of them, he found them 10 times better than all the magicians and the enchanters that were in all of his kingdom. And Daniel was there until the first year of King Cyrus. And I love what that says is that he, God granted out of his goodness and kindness because Daniel and these three friends were loyal in their commitment to serve him, to serve God, the one and only God of that day and age and the one and only God of our day and age today. And it says they found no one like them and they were 10 times better than everyone else that came. This wasn't being conceded. It's not a prideful statement, but it just shows you that God adds his value to our lives. And he gives us his wisdom to be able to do things that in the natural aren't capable of. 
in, in Daniel's ability to interpret dreams. And if you read the rest of Daniel, that's incredible, the favor that God granted him, the protection, the provision. Daniel was in a culture that was secular and his relationship and his identity really began to change that entire culture. And the whole intention of what the enemy thought was going to happen was he was going to bring Daniel and his friends in and change their identity to rob and steal and kill their real identity, as you saw of what their Hebrew name meant, as opposed to what the names they were given uh, would mean were meant to be. And so they stayed true to that identity. Let me begin by asking you this question. How many of you have ever heard the term, that person is in the zone? As an athlete growing up, I heard this a lot. And you'd often say, or if you're watching an athlete, yeah, I often heard the term is that he's in the zone. Well, what does that mean to be in the zone? I'm thinking uh, back to a time when, again, I was a Bulls fan uh, growing up. And I, I grew up in the era where Michael Jordan and the Bulls had won six national championships. And I can remember one of the championships where they were playing the Portland Trailblazers. And I believe it was in game two where Michael Jordan hit nine threes in the first half alone, which was unprecedented at that time. And really even today, nine threes in one quarter, one half is two quarters of basketball is just absolutely incredible. And I can remember watching one of the highlight reels of that game when he hit, I believe it was the seventh or eighth three as he just looked to one of his friends. I think it might've been Magic Johnson at that time. And he just kind of put his shoulders up and looked at him like, you know, I can't help it. I'm just I'm feeling it. I'm in the zone. And if you get a chance to watch that performance, he just had some incredible performances of games where he scored a lot of points, had a lot of assists, played amazing defense. And that's really what it meant to be in the zone. And so I wanted to just kind of break down a little bit for you of what to me, and for a lot of other believers that I've talked to, what it really feels like to live out of our true identity, the identity that God has given us, or what I call sometimes learning to live uh, from the spirit or walking in the spirit. You'll hear that in scripture a lot because there comes a point in our life where it's about salvation or entering into a relationship with God, but it doesn't end there because God's desire is then for us to learn to walk with him and get to know him. And so really our life then should unfold because we, at salvation, we enter into a new identity. As it said in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, is that you are now a new creation. Paul says this in a lot of his other letters. Well, we discover the new identity, but just like when we're come, but when we're born into the world, when we give our life or place our faith in Christ, is we don't just automatically get our full identity. We've got to learn and we've got to grow into our identity. And so I'm going to go into just a few examples in my life of how I've come to discover identity and even write out identity statements that have really been significant and helped me out over the course of my life. But I want to give you these six characteristics of what I feel like. It, 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 these aren't all inclusive, but they're six quality characteristics that'll mark whether or not I believe you're, you're living in your truest identity. 
Number one is there's a level of confidence. You become confident of who God is and who what his nature is. And as you become more confident of who he is, you become more confident in who he's made you to be. And this is really a process of development over the course of your life. Don't feel bad or, or ashamed or guilty if you don't feel like you're living in your truest identity on this side of eternity, because maybe we won't ever come to know the fullness of our identity, but each day that we progress in this world, we can discover more of our identity and we can live more into it and just being confident that you have an identity and that you're beginning to walk in it. Number two, clarity. I believe the Lord gives us a sense of clarity because it says that our God is not a God of confusion. Because when we seek him, I can recall several times in my life where things were a little confusing and I didn't have a lot of clarity. But as I committed time to getting in the word and praying and seeking out counsel of other believers who had the gift of wisdom and knowledge and um, you know could hear from the Lord and that I respected inviting those voices into my life, God began to give clarity in those moments. And I noticed that, you know, his thoughts became my thoughts and my confusing thoughts would become clear. And there was a sense of wisdom and direction that I knew that I was supposed to go. Number three was there was a sense of focus. Is that I've stepped more into different areas of my identity. There's a greater sense of focus. It's like, all these other things in life that once seemed important kind of begin to fade into the background and you become very focused on pursuing the true gifts and skills and passions that God's put in your life. Number four, there's a sense of being fearless. When you watch a great athlete play, one of the greatest joys to me is seeing an athlete who has no fear or a musician that plays and they're not afraid to make a mistake because they understand that mistakes often lead to growing and greater understanding. And so they play with a level of fearlessness. And, it, and this comes back to the way that we even see and relate to God is that we can either be bonded in relationship to God through love or fear. And I'm just drawing it back to being an athlete again, as I can remember days where I played in fear of making a mistake or being benched or, you know, trying to please or perform for the acceptance of man. But that's not the case in our walk with the Lord. He wants to walk with you in love. And I believe that's one of the key defining things of walking in our true identity is that we're living from a place of love and not fear. Number five, their ability to recover from mistakes quickly. Because it's not about making mistakes again, but mistakes provide an opportunity for us to discover an area maybe where we're weak or broken or hurt and we need healing. But when things happen to us, we know the next time something like that happens, we can avoid, maybe not avoid it, but we can learn from it. And these kind of mistakes often shape us. And so the recovery time begins to decrease. Going back to being an athlete again, sometimes when you lose, you know, you can prepare yourself the next time maybe you play that team and, and be successful and, and have the outcome that you desire. Or maybe, you know, it's what once seemed like it take, took a long time to recover from 
doesn't require that much time anymore because you have developed habits and pathways back to joy of getting back to joy from an upset emotion or an upset challenging trying time as your recovery time begins to decrease because the Lord accelerates your growth in those seasons. And number six, your awareness increases. Your ability to perceive and become aware of the things around you. And I'm going to draw this back into even being an athlete again, just because that's so much of what my experience has been, is that you begin to see the game overall at a much greater scale than what you once saw it. It's knowing your teammates and that you know your role in it, but then you're also looking to get your teammates involved in the overall game plan because you're not just seeing your small role and portion within the game, but now you're seeing the game at a larger scale. And as other opponents begin to key in on you, you're looking to get your teammates involved and you know their roles and you help them to get better. Great athletes always make their teammates better and they get the most out of their teammates. Michael Jordan was a great example of that. And I'm sure you can think of many athletes like that today or coaches even that get more out of the team than what they should have been capable of accomplishing, but they know how to coach because it comes through loving relationships and being able to trust each other. So I wanna go into a little bit of a segment right now about identity statements. And there was a season and a period in my life where I had some mentors and coaches around me that really began to open my eyes to discover identity and even places where you can look. Maybe you're going through your life right now and you just don't really know where to look and what are some practical things that you can do to really discover your identity. But the Lord is very clever and he's, he's, he's not shy about revealing identity statements scriptures, people giving you images. These are all things that I never really even thought about looking to, but here are just some practical ways in which I believe you can discover identity. One of the things that I said about the, the purposes of this podcast is I want to give you some resources and introduce you to other individuals that really could help. And I wanted to share two resources that have been very significant for me, and they were books that were written by a good friend and mentor of a time in my life that was crucial in developing my identity. And her name is Allison Bowen. And she wrote two incredible books. And the first one was Joyful Intentionality, um, A Passion-Filled Life on Purpose. And this book really has been a key that I've gone back to several times. And it's really written in three parts. And I just want to share that with you today. You can look into it. But the first part really goes into seven growth mindsets about um, joyfully intentional people. The second part talks about building a joyfully intentional life with God. I mean, who doesn't want to have a joyful relationship with the Lord? And the last part is really written um, asking questions and considerations for your personal development of identity. This has been a book that I've gone back through through several times. And one of the statements that she made that really intrigued me from her own identity statements was, she said, I'm the curious George of the kingdom of God. 
And if you know Curious George, Curious George was this animated cartoon monkey. And it was actually one of my favorite cartoon characters as a kid growing up because he was a curious monkey. He was always wanting to know how things worked or what things were and often getting into things uh, that he would have to find a solution to kind of solve. And when she's made that statement, I, I realized something about myself is that we need to be people that are always curious about who God is and about his kingdom. And I loved that identity statement because it really represented who she was. And if you get to know her, if you read her uh, books, you'll get to see that in the way that she writes and the way that she tells stories. And it was just very profound for me. Um, and the second book that she wrote was called The Image, Experience Your Life from God's Perspective. And this has been an incredible resource for me. And if you want to really begin to know how God sees you, um, she really begins the book in such a beautiful way and talks about this image of a photographer who really created the image uh, in the photography world that had never been created before of uh, a place out in the, the slopes of the Sierra Nevada mountains called Half Dome. And I was, I was crying and I had tears just reading even the introduction and the prologue to this book because it really sets the course for helping you understand how to see yourself and even discover uh, places in life and in the world around you about who God has made you to be. And I want to go through some of those and I want to read you some of my personal ones. And this is going to tie back into a, one of the first bonus episodes that I gave about my 12 heart characteristics. But here were some of the things that when I heard these, it really resonated with me. And I believe it can help you capture the identity that God's placed within you. And this is a certain section of this book where it talked about clues of how to find your identity. She talked about inheritance words. These are often scriptures that when you read them, something comes alive in you. They're scriptures that really resonate with you. And one of the ways that I approach the word of God is I don't just try to read it for information or just to get through it from beginning to finish is I'll actually read it. And if there's something that's speaking to me and capturing my heart, my attention, that's probably a big key and a clue into the identity that God has placed in me. What is it about this scripture that seems to be very close and dear to me? And so one of the things that I'll do and that I've done over the course of my life is I've got just specific journals with key scriptures that have been building over the course of when I've been in the world and I go back to those scriptures and God just begins to reveal more about these identity scriptures because they've been key and they're important and significant to me. And so what I'll do is I'll then begin to take those scriptures and I'll craft them into identity statements, much like the ones we read and heard back in episode 15 from Neil Anderson's book, Overcoming the Darkness where I read those identity statements over you. And as you, hopefully you've taken some time to reread those and to make those declarations over your life because you have to use the word of God aggressively and offensively because it's God's word, his promises to you. 
And as you declare them and confess them and say, this is who I am, they become part of who you are. Because you have to behold that what God says in his word is who he is. And who he is in you is the expression of who he wants to be through you as well. That's uniquely you. That's through the identity and the persona and the personality that God has given you. God's words to you. One of the things that I do sometimes is I just sit down with a journal and I'll just begin to ask the Lord, what is on your heart? And I'll just become aware of images that God puts in my heart or scriptures or just begin to write out as if God were speaking directly to me. And then when I go back and read it, I'll read it out loud and say, is this something that sounds like what I hear in his word? Does it carry the heart of God? Is it in his character? Does it, is it descriptive of who he is? Does it align with uh, the consistency and the course of all of scripture. So those are keys to how you can see it. The power of pictures. I'm a person who a lot of times when I'm praying for somebody or specific places or um, just seeking the Lord in his heart, he'll begin to show me a lot of images. And then he'll begin to give meaning to that image. So I'll write the image down and then I'll just begin to ask questions of the Holy Spirit. Help me understand this. Why am I seeing this? What things do you want me to be aware of in this? And I'll just make a, a, a list of responses that I begin to hear as he begins to share the meaning and the heart behind why he showed me that image. And a lot of these images often tie into our identity. And I'll just share some of those from the identity statements that I'll read here in a minute of mine. Who are some of your heroes in scripture or in real life? This was significant to me because there, when I, as I went through school, there were individuals throughout history that really resonated with me. And a lot of times those are keys into your identity because if that person resonates with you, then uh, there's a good chance in a, in a good spe uh, specific way that God wants you um, to become like that person. So for me in scripture, Daniel was kind of an identity character for me, David as well, Joseph, uh, obviously Jesus is a big one, the most important one, um, Paul. I mean, these are all characters as I read them something in my heart just really connected with them and then the last one ideas from other people one of the things that I've done over the course of my life is written down consistent statements that other people have made about me and affirm and then I begin to just process those things with the Lord sometimes they don't make sense right away kind of like the examples that I had given in previous episodes for my coach and my teacher. They called out a part of being a leader that I didn't see in myself at the time, but really launched me and served as a catalyst into greater areas of leadership and public speaking and teaching. Had I not had those individuals in my life and taken notice of those things that they had spoken into my life, I wouldn't be doing the things that I am today. In desiring to do in my future. 
So those were just kind of a couple keys from that book, The Image, that my friend Allison Baum wrote. And I'm so thankful um, for having her in my life and, and the words and the ways that she spoke into my life over the course of several years. And we still stay in touch today. And I share with her consistently that, you know, her influence, her words uh, had a very powerful and, and, and meaningful impact on, on my life. So over the course of that time where I, I kind of dove into this idea of identity, here were some of the identity statements that I wrote about myself. And these are always evolving and in process over the course of my life. But this is just something that I've made and that I keep in my journals when I write. These are all the identity statements. I know if you're listening to the podcast, you're not able to see this, but I've got a sheet of paper here that's laminated. And here are just a few of my identity statements that as you get to know my heart, um, these are reminders that I go back and read them. And I will say this, do I always live up to these perfectly? No. Are there identity statements that I read about myself and then I, I have an encounter during the day where I said something to maybe one of my children or a certain tone that I took with my wife or a way I responded to something at work where I missed the mark. Yes, absolutely. We all have ways where we're, we're not fully living up to these statements, but what it does is it serves as a reminder to me that this is what God is making me into. And even if I miss it on days, God's going to give me the grace to live more fully into these identity statements. And so I'm reading these statements over myself on a daily basis. And this is a great exercise to even practice with um, people in your life, loved ones, and just remind each other, this is who you are. And begin to read these statements, much like we did in episode 15. So one, I am a joyful worshiper of God's goodness and kindness. I always want to be a worshiper. And I'm going to worship God because I've experienced his goodness and kindness. I am a master archer with a quiver filled with God's word. So that image of being an archer uh, was something that was very profound to me. And there was one time in my life where that, that aspect of an archer being precise and being able to hit the target was really speaking to me. And in key moments in my life and decisions that I've made is having a quiver, the, the thing they put their arrows in was very significant as I wanted my heart to be full of God's word so that when I took aim at accomplishing something in life, I was using the words of God as arrows. A skillful architect of prayer and intercession, a prophetic catalyst and builder who speaks boldly and confidently, an apostolic pioneer and builder of spiritual foundations. I love to teach, I love to equip, and I love to exhort other people. And so much like what Paul said is I love going into new places and building upon foundations. And that's really what an architect gets to do. And so that became an image that was profound in my heart. And I saw and connected with that's what God has called me to do is to help build spiritual foundations. A humble warrior who is led by God's spirit, restoring hope and replacing brokenness a frontline general filled with faith for every fight, 
always want to be a person on the front lines. But hear me in this too, that there have been seasons in my life where I've had to remove myself from the front lines and allow God to do a work in my heart, to do healing and to restore the broken parts of my life where either I'd been wounded or that I'd wounded other people. And so we're going to talk about that in future episodes, those seasons in our lives where we go through the desert and we need healing and restoration. I am a grace-filled encourager, a delighted son of rest, a peaceful and chosen ambassador of the king, an abiding kingdom citizen with life-giving power, a man who thinks deeply and reflects on God's hidden wisdom, an advanced accelerator of growth and maturity in the spirit, a man with a steadfast spirit and mind, a freedom fighter that destroys the works of the enemy. I am a linchpin who connects kingdom warriors. That one right there was a profound statement that was made from an individual that came and spoke to our staff when I was on staff with the Fellowship of Christian Athletes. And our director had a guy come in that lived two hours away, had never met me. And one of the words he had given me in an image that he saw over my life was being a linchpin a person who loved to connect people in the kingdom of God. And I had never saw that image that day or even what I was doing uh, as a director in Colorado with the Fellowship of Christian Athletes was connecting athletes and coaches and board members together. And that's part of my DNA is that I love to be in communities connecting people that would normally not be connected. And so that's why I put that in that statement that I'm a linchpin that connects kingdom-minded people, uh, a prophetic person who hears accurately and responds accordingly, is I always want to hear God's voice and respond in obedience. I am a relentless teacher of God's word, a disciplined and committed learner, purposed for godliness, a watchful father shepherd of my children's heart. And that's one that's very tender because as a father of three children, I always want to love them and shepherd their hearts. And I know he's called me to do that. Compassionate and loving husband, always fighting for my wife's heart. Those are two that are very dear to my heart. And have I missed it at times? Yes, I'll be the first to admit and in ways that I'm not proud of. But at the same time, I remind myself, this is what God says I am and what I'm going to do is that I'm going to fight for my wife's heart. I'm going to fight for the hearts of my children. I am a life-giving, identity-developing husband and father. This was just a list that I created and that has been building over the course of many years of being intentional with this. And these aren't things that just came about in my ordinary everyday life. And I'll close by, by saying this, one of the most powerful tools that I have found is by writing down and capturing these types of things that you come across and being very intentional. Just the other night, I was going back and pulling out some of the journals that I've had over the course of my life. And this alone is a journal that I had when I was on staff with the Fellowship of Christian Athletes. And you can see that it's filled with pages of identity statements. So this was a journal that I just committed to anything I saw in scripture. This has key scriptures in it about identity. 
characters that I've resonated with, how I've grown into uh, similarities of their identity and identity statements that I've written over the course of my life. And I continue to thumb through these and build on them over the course of my life. And these are just words that have been spoken over me. This journal is just for words that have been spoken over my life by other individuals. Maybe they were images, maybe they were scriptures. And I began to be very intentional in, in collecting those. And even as I got that out last night and was reading through it, it was this ass sense of, wow, like I didn't understand that word fully at the time, but now I just begin to connect the dots. And I've done this with many of the words that have been spoken over my life is God is very intentional about bringing people into your life in just the right time and just the right season where they become a powerful voice. And when they speak into your identity, whether you see it or believe it at that moment, I would encourage you to write it down, take notice of it, because it's something that God is going to develop over the course of the next several years, because he wants you to become it. He wants to be something in you that's going to lead you into becoming that person or that image or that scripture, because that's the way that God works as he builds our identity. So I want to just end this episode by telling you a story that I heard. Many of you may have heard of a guy named Max Lucado, and he had a series of books that he had written called You Are Special. And this, these stories were about these little people, they, they were called Wimmicks, and they were made of wood. And this is going to demonstrate and illustrate the story of what it means to really be loved and that you are special. And I want you to take that away today. So there was one particular little women and his name was Punchinello. And Punchinello lived in a house in a village with all these other women's. And if you saw this city, what you would see is that some of these women's had black dots and black dots represented flaws or malfunctions or mistakes that each one of these women's had. Other women's had gold stars. And these gold stars represented things that were good about them. So for instance, as Punchinello sat in his house, he would look out the window of his house and he would see certain women's. And so let's say you tripped and fell. Well, you got a black dot. Maybe you weren't fast or you didn't have a shiny gloss of, of paint on you. So you got black dots for those things. Being a gold star, maybe you were the mayor uh, of the town or maybe you could run really fast. Maybe you were a great writer. Maybe you could tell stories in an incredible way. For all these things, you got gold stars. Well, as Punchinello went throughout his life, he got so many black dots and it finally got so bad he was doing the dishes one day and he looked at himself and he had all these black dots on him. He said, what's the point of even going outside? Because all I'm going to get is black dots. As he was doing his dishes, he looked out the window and he saw one of these other little women, Wimmicks, walk across and she had no gold stars or no black dots on her. And that caught his curiosity and he began to say to himself, well, what's the deal? Why doesn't she have any gold stars or black dots? And so she 
Punchinello ran out his door and he ran to this woman, Wemmick, and he says, what's the deal? What's your secret? And she says, well, what do you mean? And Punchinello looks at her and she says, well, why don't you have any gold stars or black dots on you? What's your secret? You have some special kind of gloss on you that doesn't make them stick? She says, no. And she looks up the hill and she says to him, you see that big house up there on the hill? And he says, yeah. So that's Eli's house. Eli's the carpenter who made us all. And he loves it when we come visit him. Have you ever gone to see him? And Punchinello says, no, I've never been up there. And this little young Wimick, uh, woman, Wimick, says to him, well, maybe you should go visit him. And Punchinello says, well, maybe when I get all my act together, I'll go see him. But I don't think I can do that right now. I'm not a very good Wimick. I've got all these black dots on me. So he storms off and he goes back in his house. But it got his curiosity and he began to ask the question, what would it be like to go up there? I wonder what Eli's like. So one day he gets the courage and he goes out his door and he heads up the hill and he gets to the house and he knocks on the door and he walks inside and he starts looking around and he notices that there's just beautiful furniture all been um, crafted because he's a carpenter and it's huge and it's bigger than anything that he had ever seen before. And all of a sudden from the back corner of the house, he hears these words in his deep voice, Punchinello. And he, his head goes up. And he's like, whoa, you know my name? And Eli says, of course I do. I was the one that made you. I love it when you come and see me. And in his deep voice, he says, why don't you sit down? And well, why don't we have a conversation? And they begin to talk and hours go by. And as they get done and they wrap it up, Punchinello stands up to go outside and he begins to notice these feelings and these emotions that he's never felt before in a long time of joy and being happy and just feeling a sense of lightness that all these burdens have been removed from him. And as he walks out the door, he says, thanks. And he hears Eli say, I hope you'll come back tomorrow because you're very special to me and I love spending time with you. And as he walked out and as he looked back at Eli, for the first time, he noticed one of the black dots fell off of him. And he journeyed back home. And as he journeyed back home, there were several more black dots that began to fall off of him. And I love that story. And the reason I love it, because it depicts the heart of a loving God who's made us and created us and given us an identity that reflects his image to the world around us. So be encouraged today. The Lord loves spending time with you. He smiles in your presence. His joy is made full and complete as you enter into his house, as you enter into his presence. May his love fill you today as we've looked at over the course of this week. May you come into the reality and the, in, in the realization that you are a much-loved child, that you are special to the Father. 
and that you have something inside of you that no one else in the world has, that only you can express. So Father, may we fully grasp and realize the true identity that you've given us. And like Daniel and his three friends, may we live in all circumstances according to that identity. And for everyone listening, I pray that their God-given identity would shape the world around them, that their identity would become the source and the strength of their life because you are the source and the strength of our life. Pray these things in your name. Amen. I hope you'll join us next week. We're going to dive into Exodus chapter three, uh, Moses at the burning bush, and we're going to look into some New Testament passages that really begin to shape even more who Jesus was and how his identity really forms our identity. So join me next week. It's going to be another exciting week. Thanks for your time this week and God bless.